I know you have to uh, use your imagination there a little bit, but uh, the cast of characters that God gathered together to, to play a part in the birth of Jesus Christ is, uh, is truly an intriguing collection of people. Uh, we have wise men from the east, a seemingly unremarkable couple, Joseph and Mary. Uh, we have shepherds watching their flocks at night. I think about it, out of all of the people in the world, why would God choose them? Why would God choose them? Over the past uh, a few weeks here at Stonebridge, we've been, been talking about the, the truth and the goodness and, uh, and the beauty of, of Christmas. And for those of you who haven't been here, you know, from the time of the ancient Greek philosophers, truth and goodness and beauty uh, were identified as these three great transcendental pre-existing ideals. They existed before any of us did. And early Christian thinkers building on, on the Greeks were, were convinced that all truth, all goodness, and all beauty come from God. And our ability to, to recognize the truth, to recognize goodness when we see it, to recognize beauty, as well as our longing for, for truth and goodness and beauty. All those things come from, from God, come from our having been created in the image and likeness of God. There's a philosopher named Peter Crave who writes, there, there are three things that will never die, truth, goodness, and beauty. These are the three things we all need, and we need absolutely, and we know we need them, and we know we need them absolutely. See, our minds want not just some truth and some falsehood. We want truth without limit. Our wills want, want not only some good and some evil. We want good without limit. Our desires, our imaginations, our feelings, our hearts want not just some beauty and some ugliness. We want beauty without limit. So why wise men? Why the wise men? Why Joseph and Mary? Why the shepherds? Well, maybe the answer has something to do with truth and with goodness and with beauty. I mean, think, about, think about it for a second, how, how the wise men were willing to search for the truth. They're, wise men, they're, they're sometimes characterized as the three kings. Um, they really weren't kings. They were actually uh, magi. Uh, those were Persian scholars who, who studied the stars. The Bible doesn't tell us how many magi came to worship Jesus. It tells us that they brought three gifts, and that's why we kind of say the three, three wise men. One of the most important facts about the wise men is that unlike everybody else in the Christmas story, they weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. Uh, they weren't part of that religious tradition. And they traveled something like a thousand miles from what's now modern-day Iran to worship Jesus. The oldest church in the world, the oldest church that exists today in the world, it's the Basilica of the Nativity in Bethlehem. 
and it owes its continued existence to the, to the Magi. This is a, a picture of the entrance to that church. It's kind of a strange-looking entrance for a church, isn't it? You enter it through a doorway. You sort of have to humble yourself. You have to, to go low to go through that door. But you enter through this doorway that has been partially bricked up hundreds and hundreds of years ago to keep raiders riding on horseback from riding in on their horses and, and looting the inside of the church. The church was spared destruction by the Persians in 614 A.D., because as they were getting ready to, to go inside, they noticed outside the building there was this mosaic that showed the wise men, and they were dressed in Persian clothing. And seeing their countrymen there, the Persians left the building standing and left the people inside alone. All that, that extra biblical stuff, you know, it's kind of interesting and, and so on, but what Matthew has to say about the Magi is actually much more important. It's all about the truth. They loved the truth. And they loved the truth so much that they were willing to follow it wherever it took them. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of fashionable today. And it really is a fashion. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are kind of, you know, intellectual fashions that, that people follow it, Kind of, it takes a while to chart them. They last sometimes hundreds of years, but it's really fashionable today to believe that there is no such thing as truth. Uh, people say that truth is relative. People say that, well, that's true for you, but it's it's not true for for me. And while, yeah, you know, each one of us has our individual likes and dislikes and. Each of us has our individual understandings and so on. There, there are some things that are true. They're just true. If they're historical events, they're true. They happen. They are true whether we believe them or not. Things like the Holocaust, it happened. Things like the moon landing, it happened. The world is round. Gravity is a thing. A fascinating thing uh, to me, one of the fascinating things to me about Christianity is its insistence that the events that it describes in the Bible actually happened. They're not just stories. It's not just the Christmas story isn't just a made-up story. It is a historical narrative. When Luke writes, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was a governor of Syria. When you hear those names and those places... Those events, that is history. When the gospel tells us that Jesus was born, when the gospel tells us that Jesus was executed on a cross, put to death by the Romans, when the Bible tells us that he rose on the third day in fulfillment of the scripture, those events, however likely or unlikely you might think them to be, those are historical claims. Those are 
truth claims. And because they're about history, you know what? You can actually investigate them. You can study manuscripts. You can do archaeology. They are subject to investigation. And that's one of the things that makes Christianity unique. It's not mythology. We're not here tonight because of just a story or because of a myth. The Bible asserts that the events it describes actually took place in human history. Oh, this is really important for us because I want to encourage you. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're here because somebody said, come on, I want you to go to church. You, you know, it's Christmas. Let's go. I really want to encourage you, if you, you have never done this before, to investigate Christianity and to investigate uh, the history. And don't do it, by the way, on the internet with crazy, you know, fake news and stuff. But do... Get serious about it. Uh, there's a, a film that came out this past year. It's called The Case for Christ. It, it follows the true story of an investigative journalist, an attorney, an atheist, a guy named Lee Strobel. As he, it, it follows his story as he sets out to dismantle his wife's faith. He thought he was marrying an atheist. And, and his wife comes home one day and finally spills the beans. He's, he can't figure out what, where she's disappearing to on the weekends. She's gone to church and it, he loses it. And he tries, he sets out to dismantle his wife's faith. And he does it by investigating the facts. He's going to lay them all out for I'm not going to tell you how it ends. I will tell you this. It's on Netflix now. And you can watch it um, this weekend. Check it out. Next month, you know, maybe you're not into movies or you don't have, have Netflix. Next month, we're going to be offering the Alpha course here at Stonebridge. It's another amazing opportunity to investigate and explore Christianity. See, a lot of people think that Christians just believe what they believe on faith. Look, don't believe or don't disbelieve just on faith. Do some evidence-based research. Like, be like the wise men. Search for the truth and, and let it take you wherever it leads you. And here's why it's so important. C.S. Lewis, uh, in one of his books, writes, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing that it cannot be is moderately important. You know, for, what, for a lot of us, that's uh, what Christianity is. It's moderately important. It's just like every so often we're interested in it or whatever. If it's true, it changes everything. The, the, the amazing thing about the wise men, is, is, I, for me anyways, is, is this. They had absolutely no connection to the Jewish people. They weren't a part of that religious tradition. They had no background whatsoever in the Bible. But they were willing to search for the truth. And they, they kept searching until they found it. And they found it in Jesus. And they found it to be of infinite importance. Why, why did God choose Joseph and Mary? Well, I think that has something to do with goodness. They, they represent, they embody goodness. Joseph and Mary are willing to listen to God, and they are willing to do the right thing. Um, as you study the story about Jesus' birth, 
and look into the Gospels, especially the Gospels of Matthew and uh, Luke, you'll discover uh, a, a part of, of this story, and it's a big part of the story in the Bible, that's almost totally overlooked in the way we celebrate Christmas today, and that is there's an incredible struggle that's taking place in the story of the birth of Jesus, an incredible struggle between the powers of good and evil. Outside of church, Herod the Great is rarely, if ever, remembered at Christmas time. And even inside the church, we don't think of Herod the Great that much at Christmas time, but he really does, does figure prominently in the biblical story. Herod the Great uh, is probably best known in history for his colossal building projects. He uh, completely expanded and um, uh, and beautified the, the temple in Jerusalem. He constructed an extraordinary seaport at, at this place called Caesarea Maritima using technology that was uh, centuries ahead of its time. He built the, the fortress city of Masada. Best known for his colossal building projects, he was really insecure ruler. And part of the reason he was insecure is because he had been put in place by a foreign power. Rome. Because he was insecure, he was really quick to eliminate anybody he perceived as disloyal or anyone whom he believed was a threat to his power. And as a result of that, Herod had a number of his own family killed, including his wife, Mary Omni. Matthew tells us how Herod, after learning from the wise men about the birth of a king, he ordered his soldiers to put all of the baby boys of Bethlehem to death by the sword. Evil guy. He's an evil guy. Now, just as the idea of absolute truth has come under attack, the idea of meaningful moral distinctions, that there's good, that there's evil, that there's right and, and that there's wrong, you know, a lot of people call that into question, too. They say, oh, well, that's maybe wrong for you, but not for me. But I'll tell you something. Guys like Herod the Great remind us that there are some things in life that virtually every one of us agrees is wrong. I think it'd be hard to find somebody who thinks it's okay to drive when you are drunk or that it's okay to sexually harass people or that child molestation is all right, or mass murder is okay. Uh, we would agree. Those things are absolutely wrong. Herod represents, you know, evil. What we find in, in Joseph and Mary is the exact opposite. We don't know a lot about them. Uh, Joseph is spoken about in the Bible, but uh, he never speaks. What he does instead is he listens to God and he does the right thing. Mary listens to God and she does the right thing. Now, neither Joseph nor Mary especially understood what God's plan was at the time. That's probably true for most of us, too. We have a general idea of what we think God wants for us and so on, but sometimes we go through experiences and they just don't make any sense to us. 
Sometimes God asks us to do something. We don't understand why he's, he's doing that. Neither Joseph nor Mary especially understood what God had in store for them, but they knew enough, in the words of uh, the prophet Micah, to do justly and to love mercy and to, to walk humbly with God, to do the right thing. They were willing to do the right thing, and they modeled goodness for us, just the way the wise men model a search for truth for us. And why did God choose to share Christmas with the shepherds? Why shepherds? I I think it might be because the shepherds were willing to celebrate the beauty of God's plan and God's gift in Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I think they probably could have used a little excitement in their lives. Because taking care of sheep, from what I understand, I, you know, I've known people actually who, I, I have a, a really good friend whose brother raises sheep, and um, it's humble, and it's dirty, and it's smelling, and, and it's boring work. Even though King David had once been a shepherd, and, and despite the fact that in the Bible God is called the shepherd of Israel... That's not a profession a lot of people aspired to. And I'll tell you, shepherds weren't that well thought of. People didn't trust them. But God chose them. God chose them to be a part of the first Christmas. Maybe as a way of saying that the good news is for absolutely everybody. Maybe especially for those who least expect it or feel that they least deserve it. I think it's really important that, that the angel tells the shepherd, shepherds, Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I bring you, I bring you shepherds, good news. Today, a Savior has been born to you. Shepherds. I bring you good news. What, what's the good news? Well, the good news is that God sent His Son to save us. He sent his son to rescue us from the powers of sin and death that threaten to undermine us and undo us and rob us of our joy and ruin our lives. You know, some, some people say that uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One of the things that, that I think we learned during the series that we've done here at Stonebridge is that um, beauty really isn't in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is a gift from God. Beauty is a gift from God who is beautiful, who loves beauty, who created everything that is beautiful, who made a, a world that is filled with color and music 
and light and sounds, who's given us a mind to recognize and to long for beauty that's around us. Well, why is Christmas such a beautiful time of year? Tonight, uh, after I get home with the three services here at Stonebridge, um, I'm going to go with my wife and daughter and son-in-law, and we're going to drive around Moore Park and look at lights. Why, why is Christmas such a beautiful time of year? Why so many beautiful songs? Why beautiful candlelight services like this one? Well, it's because of the beauty of God's gift in Jesus, our Savior. That's why it's so beautiful. We all know a couple weeks ago, the Thomas Fire tore through Ventura. People were forced to evacuate their homes, and, and many of them lost their homes. I, know, I personally know a couple of people whose, whose homes were completely burned to the ground. If we were to, to visit Ventura tonight, uh, we would see a lot of devastated neighborhoods, but uh, there's something else that we'd see as well. We would see signs posted absolutely everywhere that say, thank you, firefighters and first responders. Everywhere. Now, we've probably all seen signs like this on the news. We all know in kind of a, a general way that people in the military, firefighters, first responders, law enforcement officers, doctors, nurses, EMTs, a host of other people who serve the public, they all expect and they are all expected to be there when we need them. So if we expect them to be there and they expect to be there, why are all these thank you signs all over the place in Ventura? I had lunch with um, a, a buddy who's a pastor in, in Ventura uh, named Mark. And he was telling me about all those signs. And he, he told me that um, those signs are there because they're not just thanking firefighters in general. He said, we're thanking our firefighters. We were thanking the people who saved our homes the people who rescued our pets, those folks who kept our kids safe, those people who saved our lives. So folks, with the, the angels tonight, I want to share some good news with you. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's just not Savior of the world. He's our Savior. He's my Savior. He's your Savior. And if it is truth, and if it is beauty, and if it is goodness that you're looking for, 
you will find them in him and in his love for you.